Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a grown-up. Hi, I'm Emily and, uh, well, I'm absolutely fine, but um, the sort of the timeline on my coil has expired. So it's five years. Um, and uh, when I called the surgery to say, hey, my, my coil is expiring, they sort of, they, they didn't laugh, but they might as well have done, i.e. basically come back in April or whatever, which means that after not having had a period for five years, I'm looking at possibly the restarting of of periods and to be honest I feel like this is just I just can't this is just one more thing that I will not be able to deal with well you know my theory Em, which is that menstrual cycles should be should have been cancelled during lockdown it's just <laughs> it should have been against the law it's all been too much and I'm Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine except I am deranged with PMT I can I'm amazed I'm not covered in like green boils I'm amazed that someone walking towards me down you know down the street couldn't see it it is radiating from my every pore it's like my my skin aches my boobs hurt my face is trying to sort of fall off my skin's gone dry and weird my irritation is bubbling under the skin to the extent that I actually feel genuinely short of breath like I might I just got something stuck in a drawer you know when you try and open a drawer and there's something in the way and I pulled this motherfucker out I mean the, the desk basically <laughs> splintered shards of wooden plastic went everywhere I you know just no patience for anything and and I feel um you know vulnerable but also terrifying and you know even now I wouldn't say this to a man I mean, there's so much, isn't there, about our femaleness and our femininity and our female hormones and our female parts that um, that we simply still don't feel comfortable or free to discuss. So no. let's dive in. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. By the way, you have in no way reassured me about what's coming for me in the next, uh, once the coil runs out. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the, the angel of death, the harbinger of doom. As grown-up women... It's amazing how little we know about our vaginas. Um, we may have had sex. We may have had babies. We may have had little scares. But there remains a kind of insidious ignorance and confusion about our own anatomy. Diodoc, the Swedish intimate skincare brand, Swedes are not embarrassed about this stuff, was founded by two women. One, a doctor, who did not want another generation of girls growing up without knowing their own female anatomy or how to properly take care of it. And they also want the days of thinking that the vulva and the vagina are the same thing to come to an end. They want the neglect of our gynecological health to come to an end. They want looking after our vaginas to be fun and safe and pH balanced and all the good stuff. In short, they want to break these age-old taboos, clear away the confusion, dispel myths and get us talking to each other because enough is enough, right? Yes, so exactly. And so we are delighted to have one of the Diodoc founders, Dr. Hedia Asadi, on the podcast. What she doesn't know about vaginas and vulvas, <laughs> which is something I did not know about, is not worth knowing. So let's get busy. Hi, Hedia. How are you? Hi, I'm absolutely fine, but I'm freezing here in Stockholm. It's so cold. So I'm looking forward to spring. <laughs> I love the whole Swedishness of you. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just makes me feel comfortable saying vagina, vagina, vagina. And can you just say vulva for us once? 
Vulva. Vulva. Oh, yeah. So marvellous. Immediately mean, makes me feel relaxed. But I mean, honestly, um, Emily, Emily wasn't lying. I mean, last year she was, she was talking about vagina, vagina, vagina. And I finally said to her, no, 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 no. The vagina's on the inside and the vulva's exactly. on the outside. Is that correct? I feel like it should be the year of the vulva. Nobody talks about this. Um, how much confusion and, 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 and ignorance do you come across with your patients and clients with, you know, who are grown-up women? Uh, unfortunately, too much. Uh, it's such a big misconception among women, uh, and they tend to say vagina to everything. But we have a vagina and we have a vulva. And just as you said, vagina is what's on the inside. It's the uh, canal that goes to the cervix and the uterus. And everything outside, that's the vulva. The outer labia, the inner labia, the clitoris, everything that we see on the outside, that's a vulva. I mean, you know, certainly through my teens and 20s, I mean, possibly even into my 30s, I wouldn't have said the word vagina out loud outside of um, a, a biology lesson or possibly a doctor's office. I mean, Emily, we were so shut down about it, weren't we? Yeah, and also, you know, one of the weirdest things is the way that we not only do we not know the difference between the vulva and the vagina, but we call it a myriad of kind of disnified or infantilized names like Noonie or Twinkle. I know it's or... the sort of princess <laughs> princessification um, yes. of our parts. Um, and do you think uh, do you think it's important that that we that we bring up our children calling things by their proper names and telling girls where where bits go? Absolutely, because what is not named doesn't exist, right? I think that's an excellent point, because Emily and I were saying earlier that we almost pretended they didn't exist. We were pretending we were yeah. Barbie dolls with little smooth nubs because yeah. we just were so frightened of everything. We couldn't talk about it. Yeah, and if we don't name our female parts, the misconception will continue. And, you know, it's, it's just like any body part uh, like you don't have a different name for your eye or for your hand or for your feet, right? Yeah. I will at least teach my children the mm. right names um, because I think it's uh, it's less shameful. Like if you just use the words when they are when they are young, then they will grow up not being ashamed, right? Or what do you think? No, I mean I completely agree. I I, mm. I completely agree, and also you know boys and girls. Yeah, definitely. But what are the most common? Um, myths and misconceptions around uh, people's own gynecology that you, that you tend to encounter? So the most common misconception is that uh, you say vagina to everything and then you say that uh, the vagina is self-cleansing so I don't need any products for this area and yes the vagina is self-cleansing but the vulva is not self-cleansing. In the vulva we have the same sweat glands that we have in the armpits. So you can sweat from the vulva and this can cause odor or uh, you can have urine get stuck in this area. Uh, so the vulva can be cleansed if you use the right products, but not the vagina. The vagina cell cleansing, don't use anything for the vagina, no douching. No nothing. douching. It takes, so care, yeah, what it takes care of itself. What negative effect could, could douching have? I mean, I haven't heard that phrase, you know, in many years, but I'm sure a lot of people are still douching away. So douching is basically um, a no-go because 
you will cleanse out the good bacteria, the lactobacils that we have in the vagina. And the lactobacils are there to give a low pH in the vagina. And if you cleanse the good bacteria, you will disturb the pH, so then you're prone to get an infection. Is pH the reason that some women react to bath products and maybe get yes. thrush or get... So what sort of things do we react to and what things could we turn to? Yeah, so um, let me go to the basics. Yes, let's um, go to the basics. Yeah, so pH is about if a substance is acidic or if it's a base, alkaline. Water has pH 7, that's neutral. And inside of the vagina, we have a very acidic environment. It's between 3.5 to 4. And we have a different pH in the vulva area. That's a pH of 5, which is the same pH as we have in the skin. So when you use like normal soaps or bath products, they have a pH of 8 to 10, which is too high. Remember the pH of the vulva was 5. So if you use a product with a high pH on the vulva, you will disturb the pH of this area. And the pH is like the president of this area. It's a very sensitive ecosystem. So the pH rules over the good bacteria, the bad bacteria and the yeast and the thrush that we have in this area because uh, the thrush or the yeast is part of our normal flora. Mm, mm. Does it make sense? Mm. Yeah. I love the idea that I've got a sort of Amazon jungle with its own ecosystem. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's making me feel rather I magnificent. It's I very delicate. I um, I also, just the word thrush has just made me clench and cross my legs because yeah. we've all had the kind of thrush that makes you feel sort of demented and I remember tearful. Um, flying back from a holiday and landing at Newton Airport, you know, you know, on about day three of thrush and going to Boots and saying, I need some of that, whatever it's called, canister. And he said, you know, yeah. have, you, have you got a doctor's note or, you know, I can't give it to you. And I basically said, I, I'm not going anywhere. I will prize it from your cold, dead hand if I need to. There is a yeah. queue of people behind me. I am not leaving. I need to yeah. get this from you. Right. Yeah. I mean, I got it. I mean, I think he saw, he saw, he saw this lady's not for turning yeah. behind my eyes. <laughs> I absolutely got it. Is this one of the reasons that you launched your range, Hedia? Because women's, women were, were compromising their own, you know, vaginal health. Yeah, so... The reason why we started Diadoc is basically because we ourselves got problems from using the products that were on the market. And I also saw this among my patients, that they were using products that were good. They were on the, in the pharmacies, but they still got problems. So what we found out is that these products are created by men. And they have no idea about the female anatomy. So, so they, they just have... stick a pink label on it. Yeah, just a pink label. And then this is for your vagina. But the vagina is self-cleansing. You don't need to do anything with the vagina. It's the vulva. And then they would put the pH of the uh, vagina in these products. And the vagina is very acidic. It's almost like a lemon. So basically, it's like washing yourself with uh, lemon juice. That's going to sting. <laughs> yeah, Another and cause irritation and eczema. And uh, some of my colleagues, it was not one or two or three, a lot of them referred to these products on the market as rat poison. 
So when I heard that, I was like, okay, we need to do something because this is, uh, this is not okay. Um, I tell you an inter- a conversation which, which I had with you um, a couple of weeks ago, which is really interesting, mm. is that for, for a long time I felt quite uncomfortable using Tampax. And mm. um, it was just that sometimes that feeling you have when you take one out. And I just remember thinking, based on nothing scientific and nothing I'd ever heard, this is leaving stuff behind. And I don't want anything inside my vagina that I haven't asked for or consented to, or at least that I know is there. This is shedding. I just, I'm sure it is. I'm just sure it is. Thinking, maybe I'm being neurotic, but I don't feel comfortable. And but did she, you see it? Like sometimes when you take out the tampon, you can see the Well, it the goes shedding. fluffy, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I just made an assumption and in fact you've confirmed that assumption yeah especially when you've got the lighter flow so you don't need so much and you I remember pulling I mean like I said it's been five years since I had a period but you you pull out your your tampon and then of course exactly it because it hasn't fully you feel you're taking half you're pulling out half your insides with it yeah totally it's really disconcerting but you but um, you've got proof of this of this shedding in a way that looks potentially I mean dangerous yeah Uh, so uh, this is another thing like I'm a medical doctor, but I had no idea. And I know a lot of my colleagues, they have no idea that the conventional tampons are made out of synthetically processed fibers and plastics. I thought it was cotton, but it's not. No, it's sort of, what does it say? Cotton look and feel, something like that. Yeah, cotton-like or silk touch, but really it's plastic. So when we found this out, we were like, okay, we need to do something about this. This is not okay. Uh, because uh, when we did tests, we saw that uh, just it, to put the tampons in the water, you can do it at home also, is that when they uh, get into fluid, it will start to shed. And uh, what we have done instead is that we have 100% organic cotton tampons, but we have also included a protective layer that inhibits shedding. Because, because didn't, you, didn't yeah. you have an ultrasound of a woman? Who's, yeah, who, and, and, wh- and what had happened? So the shedding of the tampons is stuck in her, um, not uterus, but uh, on the head of the cervix, basically. And I only have that picture, but the sad part is that we don't have any studies. I've been searching day and night to find studies about this, but yeah, there is if, none. If it was the prostate, we would be swimming, drowning in studies. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Or for uh, this dysfunctional erection, then we would know everything. <laughs> but this is, you know, taboo. We don't know anything. No, and I love the fact that there's so many sort of medical studies that are just abandoned because they decided that it doesn't affect men. So therefore, why would we bother researching it any further? Yeah. And Let's also, there is no money in in women's health for research, uh, for like uh, improving surgical techniques. And it's just everything within women's health is stuck in the 70s. And that is also something that we want to change. We want to, you know, empower women, teach them about their anatomy so they can, you know, demand things. I think that's a very good lesson is that sometimes you have to be that woman. I've learned this as I've become sort of old and difficult. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you don't have to be obliging and charming. Sometimes you have to shout and scream and demand. Um, And I think and I think you're right. I think that young women need to learn that when it comes to their gynecological health, they need to ask for what is not offered. Exactly. I think as well. And I think that this is certainly something that sort of haunted me as a young 
girl and woman and one of the reasons why you feel so so much shame and therefore you don't want to look into it further is that everybody looks different but Mm -hmm. of course we're sold the idea of a kind of perfect I mean a perfect vulva a perfect shape of woman you know this has happened in every possible way so you Mm -hmm. feel if you feel like in some way that your labia are too long or or whatever then you you again you close yourself into and you don't look into it but actually you know presumably every single woman's vulva looks different there's no kind of there's no perfect Mm -hmm. thing and it's just um, like our faces it's it's individual but i think that comes a lot from like the porn industry i would say that's the reference young women have yeah and i feel like that sort of inhibits us from because you imagine that you're going to be told well actually you're a bit funny looking down there yeah. and then you think and you know that would stop you to explore so many things and to be educated mm-hmm. about so many parts of it because you just think okay i'm not going to think about it yeah and i had uh, regarding not the look looking part but i had a patient that she felt that she had an, a different odor and um, she didn't have any uh, intimate relationship for 10 years because of this. And every doctor she went to was like, this is normal, it's normal, it's nothing uh, dangerous. Uh, but nobody told her that she, have, she has sweat glands in the vulva and that she can sweat because of. So when I told her this, she was so happy and could, you know, use the right products and and have the confidence to have a relationship again. Yes, awful to think that every woman in the world apart from you is wandering around entirely fragrant and sweat-free and that you're yeah. this sort of beast. And it's very, very easy to go there. Yeah. Definitely. And just the, ti- the way that a tiny thing like, you know, a little bit of thrush or discharge when we were younger, which totally freaks you out or whatever, then leaves you feeling off and leaves you isolated. And from then on, there's all kind of mental health issues, obviously. Let's talk about discharge, mm. seeing as we're here. Um, the good, the bad, the ugly. How does it work, depending on your cycle? What colour should it be? Um, should it have an odour or should it be you know, entirely neutral? Please help. Yes. Discharge is, is one of my favourite things. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but it's, it's so clever because it's the housekeeping function of your vagina, basically. And it's normal. Every woman has it. And it has a little um, sour smelling uh, odor because it's, you know, the lactobacils that I was talking about, they keep the low pH. So it's a little sour. But during your teen age or when you're pregnant, you can get more discharge. Uh, And this is hormonal. And during your ovulation, the discharge gets more clear and more sticky. Yes. Is that when you're trying to get pregnant? They're all like, look out for the mucus, look out for the mucus. Yes, exactly. Mucus alert. Okay. Yes. (laughs) And then um, if you have... An infection, for example, a bacterial vaginosis or a sexual transmitted disease, the discharge can change. Um, you uh, can have a foul smelling discharge or it can also change color, be reddish. If it's a sexual transmitted disease, it can be reddish, uh, more greenish. It depends on which bacteria it is. Um, So your vulva and vagina are very likely to tell you if something is wrong. Yes. So what you're looking out for is a different smell. 
a different colour. Mm-hmm. What yeah. other what other changes should you look out for that that could that could um, be signs of something sinister? Whether it's bleeding, whether it's itching, when do, when do you call the doctor and, and and actually deal with your shame and go and do something about it? May I just add to the discharge? Yes, please do. Um, <laughs> because I'm not done. I'm not so done with your favourite subject. <laughs> Yeah. Can I can I also say that um, Hedy has got is standing up because she has a standing up de- desk which is incredibly Swedish. So I feel like you're on the pulpit <laughs> yeah. telling us about discharge right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I get so passionate when I talk about this. So it's better that I stand up because <laughs> I can, you know, work with my hands. So you hands can and, flail. Yeah. <laughs> so because this is uh, also very you asked me before about the myths and um, misconceptions so when you have thrush the discharge does not smell a lot of people think that thrush then you have a um, a smelling discharge but you don't have you can though have a like cottage cheese discharge whitish and uh, cottage cheese like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, delicious yeah. but yes yeah, so, yeah. but, but when but, but, but thrush you know common or garden thrush most of us have had to whatever mm-hmm. but but what 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 are we looking out for that could be something that we need to take act, real action over yes so if you have any vaginal bleeding between your periods or after sex or after menopause then you need to go and see your doctor because because what they will do they'll they they test for inflammation in the uterus don't they if you have um mid cycle bleeding uh it all depends they will uh, examine you uh, they will look at your cervix is the bleeding coming from the cervix uh or is it coming from somewhere else and then they might uh, look at your hormones if you're um if you're having menopause, but the thing you are looking for is to uh, rule out uh, any types of cancer. Yeah. Um, so there'll be blood tests and it will immediately be taken seriously. And ultrasound and, and things like that. Yeah. And that's quite, that's quite difficult because we're all sort of in this, we're all quite used to the vagaries of our cycles and, and, you know, and how it changes over the years. So I think a lot of women would have a little bit of like mid-cycle bleeding and, and do nothing. Particularly during mm-hmm. lockdown. I've heard a lot of women because of the stress and the total weirdness whose yeah. periods have gone haywire. And mm-hmm. then, of course, they don't feel that they can seek any sort of advice because the whole world is both shut and hysterical. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's been a very weird time gynecologically the past year. I yeah, think. yeah. I totally agree, but uh, you know it's usual that when you change maybe your hormonal um, birth control pills, uh, then you get like for three months it's it's gonna be different. But if you have a vaginal bleeding after sex, or if you hit menopause after that, also you need to you need to rule out anything uh, dangerous. Also, I would like to add to that list that uh, painful sex, uh, you should never have pain uh, during sex. If it, it's painful, then something might be wrong. Painful um, anywhere, painful up towards yeah. your cervix, painful at the entrance, your pa- any kind of pain is not okay. Yeah, because like if you have pain during sex, it can be endometriosis, uh, it can be something else. So sex should be not painful basically yes that's that's quite a good rule to live by isn't yeah. it um speaking yeah. of sex being not painful let's move on to lube yes 
What, what do you want to know? What, what, an ele- <laughs> what an elegant segue. Um, it was almost lubricated. Um, <laughs> because, um, again, lube is talked about much more now than it, than it ever was before. And you make lube, don't you? Because, we do. Because there are good lubes and bad lubes, right? Yeah. So I know this might be a little... Um, Maybe you don't have so much information about lube, like should I use a water-based lube or should I use a silicone-based lube? Oh, Hedia, should I use yeah. lube at all? Yeah, right? I mean, is it something um, that you recommend to your patients using lube? Is it something that you think we should all integrate into our sex lives? Um, I always say uh, that you should do what you think is best for you because women are so individual. What works for you might not work for uh, anybody else. So try it if you want to. But uh, usually for um, patients that have hit menopause, it could be very good because usually after menopause, you can experience dryness, uh, both in your labia and vaginal dryness. So then you turn to the lube and should you use, you were saying, um, should you use uh, water-based? Should you use, you know, what should you use? Yes, so from a medical point of view and from what Theodox stands for is to create the best products uh, from um, the, uh, from the vaginal health, what is best for women and for women's health. So we looked at a lot of studies looking at um, silicone-based loops and water-based loops and what is best from a vaginal point of view. And what we saw is that um, silicone-based loops are better. And I will tell you why. In, if you use water in any product, you need to have a preservative because in water, bacteria can grow. So you add the preservatives to basically kill the bacteria. But as you remember, we have the lactobacils in the vagina that are good bacteria. So if you use a water-based lubricant, this can kill the bacteria in the lactobacils, and this can give you infections or irritation. So from what we recommend is silicone-based lubricants, because then there is no water and um, it's better for the vaginal health. Um, And are they condom compatible? They are. Yeah, because I remember, but not uh, with the sex toys that are made out of silicone. Well, what do they do? Uh, the silicone and the silicone are not compatible. Um, they the toy can get um, not rusty, but the plastic, the silicone can be. Um, it can sort of erode eroded. the plastic. Yes, exactly. Thank you for helping my swinglish. <laughs> <laughs> Your swinglish, your swinglish, did you say? <laughs> yeah, my swinglish. <laughs> I mean, the swinglish, the swinglish is so relaxing. I don't know if I could even have this conversation with someone who isn't Swedish. It's just, it's just, it, it's, it's also liberating. But I, you know, you know, looking back, I'm astounded by how little we knew, and mm. how little we felt empowered to ask. Yeah, and how sort yeah. of frightened that made us about about it. Mm. Actually, I wanted to ask you about waxing. Mm. Because we all, in, when, in our 20s, so a thousand years ago, we all went mad for the whole kind of um, Brazilian waxes. And I wonder, does that have any effect on the sort of the support for the vulva and the self-cleaning of the vagina? Um, uh, not really. Like yes, I, 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 it's yeah. pubic hair, like nostril hair that sort of filters <laughs> out pollution. <laughs> no, not really. I always say, uh, like based on the studies that we've seen, you can do what you want, basically. If uh, if you want, take away the hair. If you don't want, you can keep it. 
but what what can happen with waxing or shaving is that you can create irritation and get um, ingrown hairs and like an inflammation so that's Oh my God, the yeah. self-surgery that I have performed yeah. over the years on Ingrid, it's incredibly <laughs> painful, totally addictive. It never does any good. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I find when I'm, when I'm having waxes is sometimes I think, is it really okay for the wax to be that hot? Because I'm not sure this feels okay. You know, when you, when you <laughs> think actually, you know, I'm, I'm worried this is going to blister my skin, this is so hot. Yeah. But you wax uh, rather than shave. Or, yes. Yeah. I think that's a well, it depends. Thing it depends also. where I am in my life, yeah. my cycle, mm-hmm. and you know my sort of inclination and intention. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I mean, there was a time, um, you know, when I was younger, when I used to buy sugaring from the body shop with fabric mm-hmm. strips, and I'd sit on the kitchen floor and I totally self-administer. But mm-hmm. I mean, now I'm not even sure that my spine is up to that, let alone. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've had some vicious waxes in my time. But you make a, you make a special shaving foam, don't you? What, what's 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 in that? that is that wouldn't be in if we were to use a bog standard you know Gillette shaving foam it so it took us actually two years to develop this three-step shaving uh, kit and we looked at what really happens when you wax or when you shave and it's a trauma for the skin and the skin in the vulva is very very sensitive and delicate it's more delicate than uh, the eyelids the skin of the eyelids. It's a trauma for the whole, you know, body and personality. I mean, who doesn't walk out of a full Brazilian wax feeling yeah. a little bit peculiar? Like, yeah, you know, right. I, I, you know, like, like, I'm quite glad I did it, but what did I just put myself through? Yeah, <laughs> but we we focused on shaving because um, in Sweden, women tend to shave more than wax. Uh, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or because it's really really expensive to get a wax here. <laughs> So what we did is to, um, we created a pre-shave oil. Uh, This gives a protective barrier against the razor and it softens the skin and the hair uh, prior to uh, shaving. And you keep the oil on the skin and then you add a foam on top. And the foam and the oil, they give a really good super glide. So you don't have to go with the razor several times is enough with <laughs> love that. Look at me in my shower with my super glide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly it sounds so much more relaxing than the sort of scraping and scraping away. That yeah, right. What happens. You know, yeah. that, that last minute holiday thing where you're like, oh my God, if I, if I, if I wear the swimsuit, it's going to be a nightmare. So you're just like literally standing in the shower kind of trying to, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Taking not, it good. Off. not good. <laughs> not good. Not <laughs> good. Not good and not relaxing. Because then you get less uh, trauma to the skin when you have this super glide and less irritation. And then you rinse it off. And when the skin is, you know, traumatized and irritated, you need to give it a lot of moist. So we have a aftershave balm and you can actually use the aftershave balm after waxing also. So this will calm down. It's anti-inflammatory. And the best thing about it is that it has an ingredient that inhibits hair growth. So for me, now I'm very private with you, but my hair would grow in 24 hours. But now uh, after using these products, it takes three to five days before the hair grows out. And once it grows out, it's much thinner the hair. So that reduces the, the ingrown hair. Yes, exactly. Because also, because I found that the only thing that really stopped ingrown hairs from waxing was mm exfoliation 
but mm, you know also. quite vicious exfoliation yeah, I put on yeah. a pair of, it, was, it was basically I was taking a Brillo pad to myself yeah yeah um but there are some quite interesting sprays with salicy, salicylic acid and that kind of thing out there mm, that you can get mm. which are a little bit which 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 professional waxes use which I would yeah. recommend as, as opposed to those um mm. those vicious gloves I think yeah <laughs> um I particularly I think that the the deodot products they're, they're very elegant and mm. but also I've been using the bubble bath mm. which is which is vulva friendly I'm yeah. saying vulva because yeah. I because I because I love it but and it does make you think I'm lying in the bath and I'm thinking oh I am looking after myself in a way that I haven't done before and mm-hmm. it's sort of I that's rather nice actually I think so yeah it's not only relaxing for your mind body and soul it's also relaxing for your vulva yeah exactly <laughs> well, yes, right? exactly you know we all want you know lovely smelling nice body lotions that are kind to you know our arms mm. um you know why not look after you know all of ourselves as women Mm. Yeah, As exactly. Um, Who doesn't want a relaxed vulva? Yeah, right? <laughs> Who but, doesn't want uh, a happy vulva? For... Happy vulva, <laughs> happy woman. Yeah, and that's so true because if you have a bad vulva day or if you have a bad vagina day, it doesn't matter if your hair is perfect or if your makeup is on fleek. Like if you have itching, it's not fun. <laughs> your whole day is if you feel itchy or stinky, you just yeah, feel it's just nice. a bit rough. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Well, I mean, um, we, thank you for the whistle-stop tour around um, around our vaginas and vulvas. I just mm-hmm. think that, um, I just think, but I think even talking to you like this today on our podcast, you know, people who listen will, I hope, feel a bit happier to, you know, talk to each other, talk to their children, you know, without wanting to sound insane, talk to themselves about looking after, you know, all these precious bits and pieces, because mm-hmm. you only get yeah. one. Yes. <laughs> Hedia, thank you so much for coming on. Happy Vulva Day to you and to all our listeners. And guys, we'll see you all next week. Thanks yeah. so much. Bye. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. Thanks for having Bye. me. <laughs> You've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of The Middle. Our book, I'm Absolutely Fine, is out now. If you like what you hear, please rate, review and subscribe. This podcast was brought to you by Deodoc. Beautiful products for your beautiful bits. And we'll just leave you with this thought. Happy vulva, happy you. Hi, my name is Kay Adams. And to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process. So I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.